Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello and welcome to Homeschool Together. Thanks so much for joining us. If you have a chance, head down to the show notes and click on that awesome link and leave us a review on the iTunes and get us up past 40. I think that's where we're next shooting. We're shooting for 50, I think. Around 100 would be nice too, but... Baby steps. Baby steps. We're baby steps. We're not going to be doing quantum leaps here. I want to talk about quantum leaps. Talk about Lindsay Middlesmith and her awesome unschooling family that we just had our interview with. She was awesome i I was so excited um lindsay and her family are from the uk and they've recently moved well not too recently a few years back to the united states and when they did they started homeschooling and they settled into unschooling we had just such a A productive conversation it was productive if you're you're listening and and you have you know in in the the heart of your homeschooling soul beats a unschooling desire. and <laughs> Or you're you really just, curious about you it. You just have the fear. Um, or maybe you're thinking about like what, what we were talking with after after we we hung up with Lindsay. We were talking about adding in some some time where it is a little bit unschooly. Like the, there's this classic Google 20% thing where you can spend 20% of your work time working on a project of your own. Thinking of doing something like that with our daughter, you know, just really got the juices flowing. Really Give got some the, space. Get, yeah, got the ideas going in our heads about maybe implementing some type of, you know, more looser schedule, maybe a little bit more autonomous uh, a learning environment with our daughter. And that came out of this discussion with Lindsay. And I think that was really, it's really amazing. Yeah. Lindsay really got into some of the nuts and bolts of how they unschool, why it's the right choice for them. And I, I think that it, it was really eye-opening for me and felt very natural, yeah. you know, like, like it felt very right in a lot of ways to let our kids discover things that they are interested in and support them in that journey and, you know, help them to find the answers um, to the questions that they have. So it was great. I think the biggest, the biggest hangup that she pointed out was maybe with the parents and she had this great idea of de-schooling the parents and that the parents might be the, the big limiting factor and that a lot of the, the heart, letting go of your yeah, the wanting to is school your, is your own school yeah and especially with her involvement in the school prior to her her oldest going into homeschooling she was invested in schooling as the traditional model a long run of you know she has a stem degree she's been educated in regular school so the schooling environment is very familiar to her and, and removing that from her expectations for her her children she acknowledged it was a hard thing and and i think that her discussion around it may help you if you're thinking about unschooling, help you alleviate a little bit of those fears and maybe allow unschooling to kind of filter into your, your homeschool life. Yeah, I think this was a really fantastic interview. We hope that you enjoy it. Um, so we we uh, don't want to take any more time yeah. blabbing about it. Let's get right to Lindsay's interview. Hi, Lindsay. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Well, thank you so much for having me on. So can you, um, can we get to know you a little bit? Tell us about your family and, and what drove your uh, decision to start your homeschooling journey. Sure. So um, it's me and my husband and our two kids. We've got an 11 year old girl and a boy who's eight and a half now. And we are Brits who moved to Washington state four years ago Um, Before we moved, uh, we had one kid in British school and one kid in a Montessori nursery. Um, And then, yeah, we we changed to homeschooling when we moved. How how big of a was that a change for you guys to go yeah. from say like a normal school in the normal schooling environment, even Montessori? And we we sent mm-hmm. our, we sent our oldest to Montessori for a couple of years. But how much of a like did you agonize over that change? Was that always something you had entertained to homeschool? Was that a big thing for you guys to make that decision? It it never really felt like we you know we sat down and and made 
a big decision. Um, I think in the UK, I I always felt like I had quite a low bar for pulling my kids out of school and homeschooling anyway. And we went with a let's try public school and see how it goes. Um, and so we didn't homeschool then. And then when we moved, I knew that the one thing we absolutely weren't going to do was start our kids at one school when we we're in temporary accommodation and then move like four months later. Mm. So there, there was always going to be this, this three to four month buffer when we were in corporate accommodation and you know we knew we were going to be moving. And mm. so we kind of just took it like one step at a time. And yeah, here we are four years later. Well, and you you know, in the U.S., there's a lot of people who agonize on just making the decision to homeschool because they're unsure of the legal status or the the complications of whatever area they're in. You know, you were changing countries. Mm -hmm. Was there concerns there coming to the U.S. or coming to Washington? Um, I guess I looked into it and you know just from the first look into it it was pretty clear that Washington was a, a very homeschool friendly place um, and I, I knew ahead of time um, of some American homeschoolers I didn't know any personally but you know people who write parenting books and so on you know that they're, they're out there um, so I, I knew that you know homeschooling happened here um, and that was really about as far as I'd got but my kids were only seven and four so, yeah, I mean, Washington is like first thing I found was right. They're educationally free till eight. So that means we don't even need to make a decision. Right. And, and how was that transition for them, you know, kind of going from being in the UK school system and coming here and then being homeschooled in a new country? Was that a really tough transition for your children? Um, it was a big transition. My daughter, our eldest, uh, she... Her school is great, but she's not the kind of kid that does well at school. Um, and she had you know, anxiety issues and she had some teaching staff that pushed her too fast, too young and put her off and that. So, so school was never this like big positive thing in her life. And in a way, I think she was quite relieved to be like, right, we're not doing that right now. Mm -hmm. um, and so that that was that was quite easy and it was kind of just you know, it was just the four of us and the, the kids missed their friends and they missed family but otherwise it was this big adventure we were all on as a family I know how that goes I, I moved around a lot as a child just with the, just my parents being an only child mm -hmm. and we often felt like that like us against the world it's okay we have our little <laughs> family unit yeah. here um so she was relieved to not have to go into another schooling situation. And I'm assuming that your son was pretty young. So maybe it didn't make a big difference to, to him from, you know, Montessori to homeschool here. Yeah, it, it really didn't make a big difference. I mean, you know, he liked Montessori because he got to go and play with his buddies. And there was sometimes some cool things that they got to do. Um, but some of the time he didn't want to go. He was just, yeah, he he was a, has been one of those kids who just yeah, takes his own path. Um, so, yeah, we were just you know, on this big adventure. Um, mm -hmm. Probably helped all of us that we've always done, yeah, I guess you might call it extra stuff, but from a point of view of having fun with it. So, like, my husband started doing Khan Academy maths and coding with our daughter when she was gosh I want to say three or four it was before she started school mm -hmm. and then that continued as like a fun hobby we did when mm -hmm. she was at school and so then when we were well, you know started homeschooling the first thing was well we'll do Khan Academy and that's mm -hmm. math <laughs> and so it was kind of this like well we were already doing this um even though she was in school it's just yeah it's just always been something that you know she's done with her dad as as fun just be like hey this is cool maths topic so yeah so that was a bit different but. so when you started and you said okay we're gonna homeschool because mm -hmm. we're doing this temporary housing and you know we don't want to move schools and totally understandable did you 
did you gravitate towards a, a style of homeschooling right away? Did you decide like, oh, we're going to get a curriculum or we're going to be eclectic or, you know, what were your, what kind of philosophies or just eclectic did you prescribe to when you, you started? Um, I'm not really sure that I felt I knew enough about the different philosophies then. I, I really kind of felt like that was, it was all new territory and I didn't know where we were going to land with, you know, where we going to be Charlotte Mason or were we going to be eclectic or, yeah, all the different kinds of homeschooling. Um, and one of the reasons that we were interested in considering homeschooling was to have flexibility to explore mm -hmm. so for those first three four months a site where we had yeah, you know, we had all the stuff you have to do when you land in a new country I mean I, I had to take my driving test again <laughs> um, but we also we just you know went out the kids and I the three of us and you know, we were in an apartment in Bellevue in Washington and we just explored our local area. We explored the, the city in Seattle and, you know, we just got out and explored. And then the same, at, you know, at the weekends with my husband, we would just be all over the place. And um, we, you know, then we got into house hunting and again, we're all over the place. And it just kind of <laughs> felt, felt like our days were quite full already. That's understandable. Um, and also, yeah. And just, you know, I'd, I'd read a little bit about, you know, de-schooling. Um, and so that kind of felt like, well, if we're going to do this, we can have these few months at least. But math. We still had a but math thing then. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's always a but math. <laughs> it's right. But, it's it, so but a good way to get everybody acclimated to a new area, a new mm -hmm. country. Um, did you notice when you started de-schooling that did did that help your daughter's anxiety? I'm sure it was probably anxious enough moving to a new country, but did you notice changes in her because oh. she had been struggling in school? Yeah, massively. Um, and yeah, before she started school, she was just so confident, you know, just such a little ball of energy and just, you know, so confident. And two and a half years of public school, she lost a lot of that and she really kind of retreated into her shell. Um, and yeah and we moved and he stopped and it was like oh there you are and she was back and so yeah that that you know started to become and still is a huge part of why we homeschool it's the kids mental health so you have uh, ariel was telling me that you guys have kind of settled on to an a kind of an unschooling methodology mm -hmm. um yeah we, we've interviewed another unschooling family and unschoolers i think are as are as varied as uh as different types of homeschooling yeah i think that's true um it can be very yeah. wide there so could you maybe help people understand what you what you believe homeschool unschooling is and how that you know manifests in your day-to-day -day? sure um so for me unschooling is self-directed education so it's the, the kids are in charge of you know what they're learning um, when they're learning, how much they're learning, and whether they want to stop something. And it's it's my job as the parent to to facilitate, to to put opportunities in their way. Um, you know, be like, hey, this is thing. Do you want to do this thing? Um, and then it's up to them if if they want to do it. And if they do want to do things, then we support them to you know pursue whatever that is. Um, and I think that's why, you know, unschooling certainly, you know, one unschooling family is not the same as the other because the kids make different decisions. Mm -hmm. And um, for us, in terms of what that looks like in our day, I mean, generally our days, um, unless I've scheduled something far too early, we, we generally have what would probably look like quite a lazy, a lazy morning, um, certainly far lazier than when we had the school run and the nursery run and getting to work and all of that. Um, and yeah, the, the kids just get themselves up and they usually start either watching some YouTube or playing on the Xbox. They're both really into Minecraft at the moment. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then when everyone's up, I, mean, I like to take some time for myself in the morning, um, have a cup of tea in peace before I talk to anyone. We've discovered that's very important for our homeschool. Um, and yeah, and then we all have you know, chores. We have animals that need looking after things that need doing around the house and then each day is can be so different um and we 
my daughter has a lot of classes now. She's she's quite into classes. Um, so she does two science classes, which are virtual at the moment for our co-op. And then she does uh, horsemanship classes. She does swimming classes. And she then has a regular appointments with um, a counsellor and with a physiotherapist. Um, so we have all these you know, appointments and classes and field trips scheduled that kind of give our weeks some structure. Uh, but if we're home, I, I honestly do not know from one day to the next what the kids be doing. Um, some days it's some some days you know they they go on like a, a YouTube binge and I'll be like how long have you been sat in front of this YouTuber because um, I, I still I do still question the screen time stuff um, and then some days it'll be it'll be all books um, our son in particular he's he's eight he taught himself to read and now he will he will just binge read. He'll be like, hey, I'm on this series and I finished this book and now I'm on another one and I'll start another one before bedtime and I'll just read, read, read. In the summer, we're outside a lot. You know, there's the swimming, exploring, hiking, all the things. And yeah, it's just a, you know, this weird mix of science and movie making and arts and crafts and all sorts of things. So I, I, I know that the thing that, that, uh, folks are always worried about with unschoolers is that, you know, what about those subjects mm -hmm. that, you know, the mm -hmm. math, the, mm -hmm. the, the things that you have to do, you know, what if your child just isn't into it? And it's like, no, nah, I'm not into math right now. <laughs> like that's, I think the biggest worry. It, uh, would you say so too, honey, that, yeah. that we hear from people of like, who are like, want to try unschooling, but they're, they're kind of mm -hmm. nervous about that. It's the, what about the required parts of it? And if, they're not on board. Yeah, it's like doing that handstand for the first time and you gotta like commit to it. And, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, is there a fear there and anxiety that that kind of nags at the back of your head? I have to say not so much now. It's um I have definitely found de-schooling the adults is the hardest thing. Um <laughs> been, well, said, you know, well said, yeah. Well said. Yeah, I, I can't even remember how many years of schooling I've had. And then you know I was a, a governor, so I think equivalent of school board at my daughter's school and I was in the school every week. Um, so you know I was fully in school. Um, so you know what I would say now is that you know when you actually start to think about what do they have to learn. So well why do they have to learn certain things when? Because mm -hmm. there, there is no education, no education paradigm that covers everything. It's just not possible. You, know, you can't cover every era of history and every civilization and you know, every single aspect of, of science down to the, the tiniest you know, topic. You, you, everything is pick and choose. Um, and you know, my daughter's now 11, so we're kind of approaching the, those middle school years. And you know, she's become aware herself. She knows that there are things that she has to do in order to do the things she wants to do. So like at the moment, she does the science classes. And not everything they have her doing in these science classes is super interesting. But she knows that because she wants to do the class, she has to do that. Um, and she's also, you know, started to appreciate that there are there are hoops that she's going to have to jump through and things she's going to have to learn in far more detail, so that you know she can go to college and do the STEM degree that she wants to do. She hasn't quite decided which one, but she knows it's going to be a STEM degree. So she knows that she's going to have to do maths and you know really dial down into it. But you know, if you if you yeah, unless there's an end goal it's kind of hard to see what do they have to learn now. And certainly one thing I've learned over the four years in you know, trying to, to, to trust my children and trust the process is that actually it's, it's impossible to stop kids learning. You know, my son, as I said, he taught himself to read. You know, we gave him access to to various things I mean he had you know the reading eggs program then he had like the PBS kids uh, little games that they have which a lot of them are around reading and letters and phonics and so on um, and he was read to and he had books but we we made a very conscious decision to not push him 
And he's a kind of kid who, if you push him and you try and fix him into a box, he pushes back. So mm. we just we just didn't. And he went from being adamant he couldn't read age seven to reading chapter books age seven and a half. Mm. And yeah, so that, that's one thing and seeing the basics. And then your maths is such a funny one, I think, at the elementary stage, because if you don't really think about it, it's so woven into our life. You can't do you can't do cooking without maths. You can't do carpentry without maths. You can't you can't even play most board games or card games without maths. Um, you know, it's everywhere. The elementary maths, you know, particularly when you're talking about, you know, they're, they're learning like volume and addition and multiplication tables. It's like, well, that's it's all in life. Um, and before we completely started, you know, when unschooling, when yes, we're, we're diving in and we're doing this, um, my daughter was doing a maths curriculum. And we realized that she was, she'd got to the point where she was very much learning for the test. It's like learning so she could do the test so she can move on to the next thing. And then you'd come back to it six months later and she'd be like, nope, I don't know this. And yeah, I mean, it's, you know, she was at a, Oh, it's not parent partnership. It's an alternative learning environment we have locally called Parade. Mm. Um, and so, you know, they, they cover the core subjects and they, they check up on, on what you're doing. Um, and they do the, I think it's the MAT test there, the assessment. Okay. Um, so, and then when we stopped doing Parade, we continued doing that. And Zoe is a very STEM kid. It's, it's you know, is STEM is just the where she thrives. Mm-hmm. And her her math scores went up after a year of unschooling. And so after a year of unschooling, she'd actually cemented all these maths basics far better than when we were doing a curriculum every week. That was a real eye-opener for me to be like, oh, okay, you know, we were working really hard. And actually when we backed off, you learned this better. Well, and you know, whenever I hear, whenever I read about unschooling and whenever I hear people like yourself talk about it, it, it it's very inspiring. My, my hardest thing that I always, and maybe it's because I'm a, I got my physics background. I, I want to like know the, the, the base level understanding, mm-hmm. like, yeah. where are you in the day? Like, are you orbiting like a moon around them? You know, like, cause all, all I can do is map against what I do on a daily basis mm-hmm. when I'm homeschooling with my daughters. And it's like, I'm, I'm right there. I'm very involved. I'm right on top of it. Um, I'm active. I'm guiding. I'm, you know, shepherding. I'm, I feel like more like a shepherd and they're the sheep. And yeah. the way you describe it is you, you, you almost are coming along with the ride with them. You know, like, what does that look like? Like in the nuts and bolts, like in the day to day, like, are you in the room with them? Are you just kind of coming in and out? Are you drifting around? I mean, I like, I gotta, I gotta see what it looks like. <laughs> um okay well with my two I have to say it is different with the oldest because at 11 she is very independent in her okay. learning okay. um and like you know I get firmly kicked out of the room if she has a class she does <laughs> not want a parent to to be there in any way at all we're like no go out I've got this wow. um my, my eight-year-old it's it's far more of a coming and going um I mean, I guess in a way, you know, the, the sheepdog analogy would actually apply quite well because if he's just doing his own thing and he's quite happy with what he's doing and he's got whatever he needs to do that, then I might not be involved unless it's something that he wants to you know, have my company in doing. It's like board games, you know, I get dragged into playing board games all the time. Um, but, you know, otherwise, you know, he'll just be like, sat there with his stack of books or whatever it is that he's doing on on that day and he comes to me when he needs something whether it's like a discussion board or whether he's like I've got this question how do we find this out and then I get okay now I'm involved so it's kind of only when I'm needed apart from when I'm offering something and then I might be more like hey there's this yeah art project I read about or this you know it's winter solstice let's do this project for winter solstice and then it's yeah probably very much like you are side by side you know we're doing it together but 
kind of the, the learning is is theirs. Do, do they are they read it? I don't know the best way to say this, but are, are they read into the world that they're in? Like, the, do they uh, do they know they're doing a very unique educational system? And do they know? I don't want to say the rules because it's <laughs> not the rules, but do they know that you know it's there? It's the world is theirs, whatever they want to learn, and just come and ask me if you need any help, or do they do they just naturally just be in an unschooling environment and they're just they don't even know they're fish in water type of thing? Um. I think my our eldest has some understanding of how different our life is because she's lived the other side. Okay. Um, you know, she did the British public school, and then even with the um, the alternative learning environment parade, she was doing what was it one and a half days a week, and that was full on. She was getting school bus. She would you know she had recess. She yeah everything, just one and a half days a week, but she still had that you know experience with the American school system so she knows that there are you know there are plenty of children who do not have the freedom that she does um I'm not sure her brother understands that um yeah particularly sometimes you know something will annoy him and he'll be like this is so unfair and his sister will be like well you could be in school for six hours <laughs> and he's just like nope nope I wouldn't do that not happening um, yeah we always uh, point to the school bus outside and we're like you, <laughs> you know it does come down the street you know the like... school bus came an hour ago you're just waking up <laughs> yeah <laughs> the school yeah, bus yeah. when it gets home later like it's dark the school bus just came home <laughs> just a yeah. reminder how good she has it <laughs> yeah yeah my daughter definitely understands that because poor kid the um the bus that took her it was just this the small learning center they didn't have enough pupils to have a full bus system so she had to get the middle school bus and then transfer Ooh. so it was like 7 30 in the morning and that kid is not a morning person so she's just like whoa never make me do that again um so yeah but certainly our, our son he's he's never he's never really known much different um okay. he's he's into that but I'd say one of the things we do love about unschooling and that I know would be very different if we were involved in the school system at all is that both of our kids are very asynchronous learners Mm. so compared to a school kid they are behind in some things but they're also massively ahead in other things Mm. Um, so like my daughter goes through phases where she does high school biology she's 11 um she's yeah she's interested in genetics and I had to explain to her that when I was at school and I did stem subjects I wasn't allowed to do genetics till I was 16 yeah, it's just yeah. you know wasn't wasn't an option whereas to her it's like you know what's out there what what am I interested in um and yeah I mean you know our youngest um well both of them but our youngest is continuing that he's now 15 months into a deep dive into greek mythology <laughs> that's awesome and just yeah no signs of that one stopping i kind of felt like you know we would get through the first few percy jackson books and then they'd be bored and it's just like nope um we have so many different retellings of the greeks in our house it's just ridiculous um but yeah it's it is a very very different world but yeah the youngest doesn't have a clue how lucky he's got it. So when you're deciding that you're going to introduce something, I'm curious about the mechanics of that. Do you look and say, well, the interests that they had that they were working on are starting to wane. So maybe it's time to introduce something new, or I don't feel like they're getting enough science. So I'm going to try to find a science thing or something art. And, you know, how do you kind of decide what to present? Because I feel like I want to present, I would want to present my daughters with like everything. (laughs) I'd have a hard time restraining myself from only, you know, showing them one possible avenue they could explore. There's almost a paralysis of options. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, a lot of it is driven by their interests um and some of the times sometimes though it's just like I know something's happening whether it's a class or I mean this whole thing with Greek mythology started because my husband and I decided that the kids were maybe ready to play Assassin's Creed (laughs) and I, I knew that we were going to be getting Assassin's Creed so I'm like I know what goes well with Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Percy Jackson. Here, kids, 
here's a book for us to try. Um, and yeah, that was 15 months ago. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I made some you know vague overtures to you know, well, shall we move on to Norse mythology? And <laughs> so far, no one has really bitten. Um, so sometimes it doesn't work. You know, sometimes I suggest stuff thinking that they'll be all over it, and they'll be like, yeah, not right now. <laughs> But yeah, you know, stuff comes up, and you know, we're we're very fortunate that we've you know developed this the wonderful community that we have around us. Um, Washington is, I think, an amazing place to homeschool, uh, particularly yeah, yeah, particularly being secular homeschoolers as we are. I think we would be very fish out of the water in a lot of places. <laughs> Yeah. So, so when you, you're presenting these things, do you just say, you know, Hey, I, I, I think Norse mythology would be cool. And, you know, or do you like go to the library, grab some books, carefully strew them on the table before breakfast and just like, hope they pick them up. Like, what does that introduction process look like? Or is it just like a suggestion? Hey, there's this thing and it could be cool. Or do you, do you like show me YouTube video as like a trailer of things you could learn about this? I'm just kind of curious about how to, how you get them excited about something new. It's it's important to note that Ariel does all the checking out of all the books at the (laughs) library. So she's like, she, she would go and get like a 500 books and put them on. <laughs> I, I see the librarian yeah. look at me when I, I come in and she nods like, you know, she well, knows. There's a power user coming. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, I think all homeschoolers around here are power library users. I, I don't know if anyone who's not. I mean, I was talking to a friend this morning and she was saying she actually maxed out her allowance of ebooks. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, I did not know that it was actually a thing. I've been um, at the point where I've almost ripped my library book bag. I, I one time I returned so many books that I was then picking up a new round of books that I saw yeah. the librarian wielding back the uh, returns cart. And her and her coworker was like, Marianne, how are you doing that again? You just emptied it. How how is it full already? And I just like wanted to look away because it was just my books. Yeah. <laughs> I just kind of was like, yeah. nothing to see here. Yeah, I have been there. Uh, there have been days where I've had to rope the kids in just to carry the books. I'm like, we have got three bags of books, so I can't <laughs> carry them all. Um, so in terms of introducing topics, it's usually um, it's usually a mixture. So for some things, um, I will get library books. Um, I definitely, I have found, um, particularly I am a, I'm a planner by nature. So adjusting to unschooling. Schooling was a big adjustment to me. Um, and I've definitely found that I prefer to feel a bit more prepared before I suggest something. So at least then it's it's not the mad scramble as when my kids suddenly turn around and go, I want to learn about this. And I'm like, right, the library is closed. What do we do? So yeah, you know, yeah, Greek mythology was a, uh, you know, I lined up the Percy Jackson books in the library and we got a video game of Assassin's Creed. And I got some like, you know, kids retelling books of the Greek myths um, and then rapidly found out they were the, the wrong books for my kids. Um, <laughs> our, our eldest in particular is a bit of a stickler for, for the, the, the truth. Um, and so she very quickly with Greek mythology was like, they have made this for, so it's for children and it's wrong. Um, so I don't know if you know much about Greek mythology but there are a lot of topics that are not usually taught to young children they're very soapy Um, they're very very soapy soapy. (laughs) yeah there's yeah there's a a lot you know there's a a lot that the drama and the violence and there's a lot of of sex and death in Greek mythology a lot of sex and death yes um yeah and I rapidly found that my daughter was very quick to you know I'd be like hey this is cool video someone suggested and she's like that didn't happen that's not the story no that's <laughs> that's not right um yeah so yeah it's, it's always a mix being a planner I love to have stuff ahead of time so I can be like hey I got this book and would you like to read it because you're interested in this thing in this game um and yeah that generally works quite well so often though these days it seems it's about different offerings and I'm just like waving my phone in my daughter's face and being like have you seen this cool thing that we could do this summer do you want to do it and she'll be like you know looking at it with a 
teenage eye roll um <laughs> yeah okay i guess um yeah we did like the the kiwi co uh, crate summer camp last year mm-hmm. and that was just like they sent me an email and i shoved it in my daughter's face and she's like yep i'm up for that and so i signed them up i i'm, I'm trying <clears> to understand like you know it's very <clears throat> loose and and in your homeschool space what does your homeschool space look like you know do you have like a, a room? Do you do they go off into their rooms? Is it at the kitchen table? Where do they tend to work? Um, is we have a lot of flexible space. Um, when we started, when when we moved into our house, I set up this beautiful schoolroom, <laughs> and then we got a puppy, and we decided that the puppy was staying downstairs because for a start she's a black dog and dog hair all over cream carpets. I just can't be dealing with um and then we were like well hang on we're upstairs and the puppy is downstairs this isn't working and then kind of we <laughs> we moved out the schoolroom and never looked back so our, our home is kind of set up to be very kid-friendly multi-purpose so like you know, we have the kitchen table but then we also have another table that's supposed to be like the arts and crafts table so they can leave stuff out um without me being like it's dinner time and you've got to clear up your engineering box or whatever it is this week um and then we have we have a a room we call the games room but it's like full of books and board games and an xbox and that's where my daughter has her desk um we try to not do devices in bedrooms so try and encourage the kids to do everything in our shared spaces it's it's definitely easier now that they're older um when when they were younger and our youngest was um very unreliable when it came to looking after his sister's stuff it was more of a problem <laughs> um <laughs> yeah and we have a two but and a half now, year old although, we, we know there we go. <laughs> yeah yeah when they're when they're that age there is so much of i just need you know the big one stuff to be safe um exactly. so we are not constantly right. messing this up um <laughs> they grow out of that um yeah so yeah they have these spaces and yeah as I said you know my daughter always disappears off and shuts the door in my face when she's got a class on um but she could be in there you know crafting um or she could be on the table where she should be doing the crafting Mm -hmm. and they're just kind of all over the house do you have a specific technology you like to use for like reading and education do the kids have like you know, a tablet? Do they have Kindles? Do they prefer something or the other? Our daughter's six and I have these visions of her reading on, on a Kindle all the time, but are they more physical books, kids? Have they uh, uh, driven to that? or is They are very much physical books, kids. So far, we haven't really got into it. I mean, it's, it, I think it's partly because they are a, a lot of the books, you know, my daughter at the moment is really into graphic novels. And viewing a graphic novel on the screen is just not the same thing. <gasps> I, 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 will, I really I will, I will beg to differ. I checked out a a, a Marvel comic book. I, I wanted to read the Thanos series from the, yeah. the original. They have it, these enhanced graphic novels from the library that will blow you away. Okay. You, that, you click on it and it flips between the it flips between the frames. And so all you got to do is you just swipe, it moves to the next frame. It's really nice. You should check it out. Give it a try. I, I, I will. I had a request just this morning for some Marvel comics. Um, so I, I might see if I can persuade my son that, yeah, you can read books on your tablet. And I um, actually read it on my Kindle as well, like on my e-reader. Uh, and yeah. They, I, I preferred the, uh, the iPad edition. It was like on Overdrive, I think mm-hmm. I did it on. It was very nice. I, I was very impressed. Yeah. Um, so both our kids have Android tablets. Okay. Um, they just have inexpensive, it's not going to kill us if they break them, tablets, because <laughs> uh, our, our kids break a lot of stuff. Um, my, our daughter in particular, I mean, both our kids are neurodivergent, ADHD, and she, she really struggles focusing if she's reading on her tablet, that was one thing we found. Um, she she hasn't yet got into having a Kindle, um, but you know she has access to. I mean, she has access to the whole library system on her tablet, and she uses it to put things on hold. But generally, we found that if yeah, if she has a physical book in her hand and she gets into it, she will just sit there and read. 
whereas if she has a, a book on her tablet she'd be like oh I could go and do this other thing and I can do this other thing and so there's a bit bit more of that um I can actually see that our youngest is not going to have that problem because he is such a bookworm which okay. is it's just amazing given that 18 months ago he couldn't read do, do you have any products in your homeschool space that you like can't live without like for example we're we're a big crates family mm-hmm. <laughs> if I don't have my crates with all my books in it I, I I don't know what would happen we would not homeschool I think the only thing for us would probably be the internet okay we we would not know what to do with ourselves in a, a, a world without the internet um we use it so much you know it's not just you know online classes it's just you know yeah ad hoc research assignments and and all sorts of things um I'd probably say after that the library card because oh my gosh the library saves us an absolute fortune absolute yeah. fortune yeah use the library constantly I can't imagine the thousands and thousands of dollars we would rack we up. have a friend who's got a kindergartner yeah. and she said she didn't have a library card and I was like <gasps> How can you homeschool I said you can't I, where's your homeschool card? We're taking it away. You have to go get a library card. <laughs> so, so you mentioned that your your kids both have ADHD, mm-hmm. and so w- what's what's that like as far as you know some unique challenges that you found with homeschooling? Are there you know you said things like uh, you know it's better if your daughter has a physical book and things. Are yeah. there other things that you're really you know cognizant of um, to for them to learn best? Yeah, um, I think the the main things for us with our kids, knowing that they are both neurodivergent, um, as are myself and my husband, um, is that they need to learn how to manage their neurodivergences healthily. So in terms of learning, ADHD can be in incredible because there is nothing like hyper focus for pursuing a subject um but with hyper focus um certainly our kids um particularly our eldest I mean she can forget to eat and <laughs> so so yeah there's a lot of modeling and um helping this these things that don't happen with self-regulation because they don't have it um so yeah we we we're unschoolers but you know I have been kicked out of online unschooling groups because I'm just like yes my children have things to do before they can use the screen um but yeah because we just have to be like okay you know there are things that people have to do and you know you have to eat and you have to drink and you have to (laughs) clean your teeth and everyone has chores that you have to get done and no one thinks chores are fun you just have to get them done um so there's a lot of that so that that takes up a big amount of our time um I mean sometimes our house is yeah I say it's like herding cats so as soon as I get one going in the right direction another one's like off doing something and it's you know getting out the door is a whole process that I have to be very prepared for other than that it's yeah sometimes you know there are things that they really want to do and it's it's hard um yeah we both of them have struggled with anxiety and yeah that can be really hard and it's it's it can be too easy to let that stop you doing things that you want to do so that's something that takes a a lot of a lot of work from the kids to to overcome that generally though in learning they learn most when they're hyper focused so you just have to make sure that it's like okay you've got breakfast and your chores done so fine you can go do your thing do you do any like planning boards or you know responsibility charts or anything of that nature to help be that kind of that that reminder to them? Do you do anything like that? My daughter has at the moment an incentive chart for getting her chores done before lunch because you yeah, know that's always our goal because otherwise stuff gets pushed and yeah they are they're fabulous at procrastinating and it's always like I'll I'll just do it after I finish this thing and then three hours later they're still doing the thing um so our daughter has a um a a a positive rewards chart so it's not a like punitive system at all um it's just if she gets it done she gets a smiley face on the chart if she gets seven smiley faces then she gets taken out for a coffee 
yeah she's 11 coffee works as bribery um <laughs> coffee works as bribery all the way through adulthood <laughs> oh yeah 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 but I was quite surprised that you know by well by 10 for her you know that a, a very good bribe is I will take you to a coffee shop and buy you that funky latte you want um but yeah so we we have that other than that though the thing that I found most important is having um, a rhythm of our days um, and having a, you know, this happens and then this happens and it's like pretty much every day. Um, and then it, yeah, it becomes, it becomes ingrained. Um, yeah. Just like it, yeah, it does for me. Um, it's like, you know, I get up and I do certain things and that happens. Um, so the kids, the kids know that they have things that they need to do and, you know, generally I'm like if everyone sat around in pajamas watching YouTube and it's 9 a.m I'm like right okay that's it screens are off until you've done your things but yeah other than that not really so you've talked a lot about you know uh, unschooling fits your family very well and mm-hmm. they can they can hyper focus when they need to and deep dive on the things that they're they're really passionate about who who would you say unschooling is not for? I'm always interested in the, you know, who do you think like the, the, the family or learning style that's just like, that's just going to clash with unschooling? I think to be honest, the only family that unschooling would not be for is a family that are not ready for it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if generally it's the parents, you know, if the parents need more de-schooling, then you're going to struggle with it. Um, you know, particularly being completely, completely free flow um, about it. But John Holt, who was one of the first mm-hmm. proponents of unschooling, he came up with the term. He said, it's you, you let your children do what you want within what you find comfortable. So, you know, some people do argue that if you're an unschooling but math, it's still unschooling because that might be your comfort level. Your comfort level might be, it's like, you know, I need to know that you know your times tables. And if you know that, then I'm okay. But it's, it's, you know, he talked about it being whatever the family's comfort level was. And you, unschooling, at the end of the day, certainly my view is that it's just self-directed learning. Mm -hmm. And children do want to learn, you know, they just, they're honestly like little sponges. They just soak up stuff and they, you know, go off in other directions. And I think as long as they have a, a rich environment. And so possibly unschooling might be hard for a family that are not ready for it and also don't have, don't have the information they need to have the resources they need. I mean, yeah, obviously there's a the thing. It's, it's quite hard to homeschool if your parents are both working two jobs. Um, yeah. That's true for homeschooling. Um, but... But yeah, I think you know, if you've got these days with the internet and with you know, library systems and in Western Washington, we're fortunate to have very good library systems. But you know, there are ways of getting so much for free um, that it definitely feels that it's more about having the information to, to be able to go, okay, I might not know where you can learn whatever it is that you want to learn about, but I know where I can try and find that information. What do you think, um, you know, for, for other families that hear and you say, oh yeah, we're unschoolers. What, what misconceptions do you think that they have about what your homeschool is like? Yeah. Um, I think probably the, the most problematic one is that people think that unschooling means there is, there is no academics, there are no classes, there are no teachers. And that's just not the case. If the children want to do it, there's all of those things. Um, so, you know, I've known some kids that were self-directed learners, um, you know, teenagers, and they chose to do very academic you know, subjects, um, very heavy schedules, all sorts of things. That was their choice. And if they'd turned around and gone, you know what, I don't want to do marine biology or whatever it was anymore that would have been their choice as well. But but they chose that that was what they wanted to do. And I think with our eldest, that's that's probably the way we're heading because she's been 
well, solid four years of homeschooling, talking about doing a, a STEM career, and she's she's still talking about that. Um, <laughs> so we're 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 definitely heading in that direction. Um, so I, I think that's probably the the biggest thing. The other thing is that yeah, the kids must just spend all day every day playing video games or YouTube. Even my kids who have problems self regulating will actually turn the screen off at some point. I know our daughter would sit and watch uh, Lego building videos all day if we let her, I think. LEV all day. Um, but, yeah. you know, she's learned. We thought it was kind of fluff, but she's mm. actually learned. We've watched her, you know, come up and say, hey, I built this dresser. I go, oh, was that part of the set? She goes, no, no, no. I saw how to build it. And she'll, she's like referring to the pieces by the yeah. proper names and things. And it's like, you know, there's, there's so much learning happening, even when we think they're just relaxing. Mm -hmm. So I was just going to say on that, um, we both of us had such a, a light bulb moment before we started unschooling and um, my daughter's been into watching this youtuber um, channel is snake discovery for years and we thought it was just fun and it was just oh it's youtube she's watching youtube and then she came and explained all the principles of genetics to us and i'm like where did you learn this and she's like oh emily on snake discovery told me all about it and i'm like oh okay and that was just such a light bulb moment for us of like learning is happening even when you don't think it is i think that's such, a, that's such an amazing thing about you know, having that rich environment so mm -hmm. i want to ask about what things what things give you pause what things do you discuss with your husband at night like you foresee coming in your homeschooling journey and there are things you're concerned about we talk about like, this re like re read college yeah, or, be, or, you know, we, we sit and talk about like, gosh, you know, I'm concerned about when she's in middle school mm -hmm. and we've got to do, you know, this, whatever. I mean, what, what things are you foreseeing that, you know, you might have concern about in your homeschool? I think for us, there's not a lot on the academic and learning side that we're now concerned about. Um, three years ago, definitely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, if you spoke to me four years ago, I would have been like, we're homeschooling, but not high school. I can't do high school. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that was where I started. Um, and then I met some fabulous families of unschooling, self-directed you know, high schooler teens. Mm. And you know, their kids were, were learning and were engaged and had a life plan and had it all mapped out and were also these you know, fabulous, charming, polite, helpful teenagers who loved hanging out with the little kids. And then I was kind of like, oh, okay, maybe it is possible. You know, maybe if you can do it, then maybe we can do it. Um, so I think now our, our biggest challenges that we face is, you know, there's a possibility that we move back to the UK at some point, and then we'll be starting all over with community again. And that's harder with the kids being older. Um, so I think, you know, that's finding the community in a new area um, is a definite challenge that, you know, not, not quite keeps us up at night, but we do talk about. Other than that, not a lot. I, I think now, four years in, we very much, you know, we, we trust that we will be able to find what the kids need, even if it's not quite what we were thinking it might look like originally um yeah so far so far it's happened and you know, as I said our eldest is doing your know, high school subjects um in an ad hoc way already so you know when she yeah if you know if she say decides she wants to go to college at 18 then there'll be things that she needs to get done before a certain stage and she knows that and you know we we started to find you know, this is where you find these things. So you, you talked about, you know, engaging with some older unschoolers. Mm -hmm. did, did they talk about their process of like, kind of, you know, quote unquote, finishing their education and going into this community college, college, university level education? Yeah. Did they talk about any of the challenges that, that they had with that? Um, especially, yeah, especially in the, in the idea that they're going to be going from an unschooling environment Mm -hmm. applying to a university, which is meant to be very, you know, procreal, sitting in front of a classroom, listening, taking notes, mm -hmm. taking tests. It, that just seems like a huge ocean of change and challenge, not just applying to the university and, and justifying that, you know, I'm very educated and I should be able to attend your university. There's that challenge, but 
also there's just this life challenge of of doing something completely different than what you've normally done is there any did they talk about that yeah do you have any concerns i I think i i think that comes back to again this yeah this myth that unschooling doesn't involve classes um so certainly the 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 teens that i've known um that were homeschooling um unschooling and wanted to go into stem degrees and and stem careers they were they were doing classes they were doing classes they were taking tests they they were doing all that it was just very much their choice rather than something that they'd been told they had to do um and some you know some teens who wanted to do something different you know, did get to the point they were like okay I'm going to need to go and learn some math so that I can meet the basics so I can go and study theatre or whatever it was um and yeah the certainly yeah where we are in western Washington there are so many options um in terms of you know community college and college programs that can start at like 14 and 16 um and provide a, a kind of transitional program um but yeah I also knew teens that were at our co-op and they're now at college doing things like engineering Mm. um and that's been fine i think being self-directed being autonomous learners is something that has very much been lost sight of in the school system Mm. and Mm. yeah yeah you said you've got physics background so have i so have my husband and I certainly went to college and found that some kids were like, well, what do we do now? You know, right. We had our lecture and we've been given the book, but, but what do we do now? Someone's <laughs> got to tell us what we do now. And, mm-hmm. and college is far more like, a, you know, you've chosen to do this subject. Well, here are the classes you can sign up for and here are the books you can go and get. And it's far more you know, up to you to actually do the work. And I mean, I, you know, when I went to college, you know, 20 years ago, there were kids that struggled because your school, school just you know, lays it all out for you and it's so structured. And real life isn't actually like that. You know, if you go into, go to college or, you know, go into a job, there's not going to be someone being like, okay, this is, you know, here's the bell. So you move on to your next thing. And in this, you've got to do this, that and the other. And it's, it's just, not like that and the more I read about your know, unschoolers going to college the more I'm reading about it's like you know being self-directed and being like yes I want to do this because of this is makes makes such a difference I, I totally agree with you I, I struggled when I went to college even though I came from a, a straight A student high school mm-hmm. student and thought like college I got college but it, it was so vastly different than public school. And it wasn't just the, it was like in public school. I believe there's a lot of washout because of that. I think so. I mean, they like, they lecture, you take those notes and they give you homework and you do that homework and that's all you do. But in college there's, you know, maybe it's, oh, I have to spend extra time in the computer lab working on modeling so I can understand that subject. I've got to go out and find my own practice problems because, you know, I haven't been provided gobs and gobs of practice problems. I mean, there's, you know, I have to go to the tutoring center to have somebody help me learn this because it wasn't all completely explained to the lowest common denominator in the class. And sometimes I was that lowest denominator. Um, and I think that that's a, I think that's very insightful uh, about, about school. Cause I think there is a, there is a misconception that if you, if your child does well in school, then they will automatically do well in college. And I, I don't think that that yeah. always translates. Yeah, I, I think as well. I mean, one thing that's different about the um, US college system compared to the UK college system is that the equivalent of high school in the UK is far more specializing. Yep. Um, it's a, a bit less now, but certainly when I went for it, it's not that dissimilar now. You get down to three subjects for the last two years, and that's all mm. you do. Well, interesting. So, so you go to college, and you know you've already had two years of drilling down on what you're going to be studying. Hmm. And you know, in the US, you know, you could make an argument on the pros of having a broader education up to eighteen, but then you do get these kids who are going to college and they've been doing everything. And you know, if they've been hmm. the kind of kid that's had, 
had options to do extracurriculars so they look good on the college applications. They've probably been doing a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And now here they are and they've got a major and it's just like, no, we're just doing this. You're supposed to drill down on this. And I, I, can, I can see that's really problematic for some people. Yeah, the, the liberal arts education, while beneficial in some ways, broadening and exposure and whatnot sometimes can be too broad in a lot of respects. I think it makes it difficult to one of the yeah. for them to choose their career. I think both of us, you know, have STEM backgrounds, and then we went I wanted into STEM to going into college, and I had to spend, you know, hours and hours and hours of German class. <laughs> well, right, <laughs> you know, but we also graduated and went in different directions after graduation, and I think it's really tough for kids to pick what might be the right major for them after having such mm-hmm. a broad high school you know, yeah. education. One of the things we're hoping that we can do homeschooling is, you know, that our daughters could find, have time to explore and find a passion and really drill down on it before yeah. they go to school yeah. so that they know even what they want to do. I think it's gonna, yeah. it's so hard to make a decision on a, on a major. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're seeing that with you know, our daughter at the moment. Um, that you know, we are we are offering all the things as you know as much as we as as science majors remember to offer all the things. Um, <laughs> we have yeah, the same so she, yes. yeah, she she's 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 tried out theater class, and you know we certainly have a lot of books and you know mythology and history are, are happening. Um, but gosh, STEM is her passion, and you know she is already dabbling in that high school level stuff and she's she's learning about different things and you know she's exploring like you know is my interest like zoology or is it marine biology or actually is it oceanography you know she's exploring that kind of thing now Hmm. and I wasn't even thinking about that no no like seriously at 11 you know someone asked me what I wanted to be I'd be like yeah I want to be a vet I think I was still on astronaut at 11. My, my dad was telling me, yeah, my dad was telling me not to be a doctor. His dad's a doctor. <laughs> my dad, I want to be a doctor like you. No, you don't. No, you don't. No. Don't do it. Go, yeah. So many years in residency. Go, go be an engineer kid. Yeah. So, but yeah, you know, we were certainly saying with an 11 year old that she yeah. has the time to be like, this is what I want to do. But, but yeah, also having the time of, drilling down and you know I remember being a kid and getting really passionate about something we studied I mean some reason when I was in primary school we did ancient Egypt and I just found it fascinating and I mean there was a time in my life where I knew the entire hieroglyphic alphabet and then it was like you know got to the end of the nine months and it's like right that's done we don't get to do that anymore and I just remember being so disappointed yeah ever yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's like what do you mean you've just introduced me to this thing and I'm just like this is amazing and there's so many ways you can go and now you're just like nope you're not doing it um and I remember being like that yeah and you know going into to science um you know GCSEs and A-levels and and so on there were things that I didn't have time to do because you know unless you're you're very unusual you can't do five a levels um and so i couldn't do like english literature alongside uh, a full selection of science subjects um but we're certainly finding with our kids now you know okay she's only 11 but there's the time for her to really drill down on those those science those stem subjects but also have time to do to do book club and to do mythology and do those things and enjoy them I think that's really great. Well, we have absolutely loved hearing you, uh, you know, your story and, and chatting with you tonight. Um, can you, you know, leave us with a parting thought based on your time homeschooling, you know, that new family, we have several families mm. just joined our Facebook group that are like, we want to homeschool and we're just doing our research. You know, what would you want to tell them or what do you wish that you knew when you started? There really is no rush. Um, and it really doesn't matter whether your kid is four or 14. There is no rush. And I, th- I think a lot of people, I mean, I, I remember being a bit like that. You know, there's a panic of, I must have this sorted and I must do this. Or oh, they're going to get behind or they're going to miss out on opportunities. There is no rush. 
And, you know, even if you're talking like you're, you're 17, 18 years old, it's like, well, maybe they don't go to college at 18. Maybe they go at 19. In the big scheme of things, that is not a problem. And so, yeah, I just, I think with new homeschoolers, it's just, you know, take a breath. There is no rush. You can work it out. I think that's, that's great advice. That's good advice. I think taking it, taking it easy and going slow is, that's the, that's mm. what you're afforded in this. In this taking world. it at their pace. Yeah, I think absolutely. that's, I think yes. that's great advice. Well, thank you so much. This thank has been very illuminating and I, I really appreciate you explaining the unschooling thing. I think that's a, that's a nut that a lot of people, when they come into the homeschool world, they can't crack that one. And I think you did a wonderful job explaining mm. that. And it always inspires me to be a little bit more learner, learner led, as opposed to just, you know, coming in, kicking open the door like Van Damme and saying, we're learning math now, kid. <laughs> I, get a little, like, I get a little bit like that. So I, it tells me, tells me to chill out, dad. Yeah. And maybe um, yeah. You know, it's making me think about maybe reserving part of our time for do the Google 20%, you know, interest <laughs> learner led interests. Yeah. I mean, what we did as well, I mean, just on personal basis in the early years, um, when we were becoming more self-directed is that it would start with, I would ask the kids what they wanted to learn. It's like, okay, here's a few options. What do you want to do? And then I would plan it, but it would be like, okay, you know, you have chosen American history or mythology or whatever it was in that time. I mean, you know, I wrote a whole marine biology curriculum at one point because my kid was like, this is all I want to do. I just want to do marine biology. And I'm like, right, okay, let's, let's work something out. Um, but yeah, that, I think that helped when we moved to unschooling that we had already been doing it. What do you want to learn? And I think that's something you can do, you know, any, any kind of homeschooling. You know, if you just say you take the 20%, it's like, even if you, you know, you're like, okay, Fridays, Fridays, we will do whatever you want to learn. What do you want to learn? Yeah. Throw something at me, kid. Um, yeah. Everyone who's homeschooling can fit a bit of that in. And it's, yeah, it's quite amazing where it can go. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling!